She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. People are going to think you're crazy. They're going to say, why would you leave the ground, this safe, secure place, to go to that barren moon out there that you don't even know you can get to? And you might die in the process. Yeah. But yeah. Tough tough question to answer. I know. Yeah, it is. It is really tough. And it's great to be on the ground too. Like yeah. this is not a. There is no moral but the moon judgment. It's calling you. <laughs> if it is, yeah. yeah. If you're in stage three, buckle the fuck up. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's gonna be a bumpy one, but you're gonna make it. Well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey. I'm not John Oliver. No. (laughs) We're here. You're here, too. Hi. So happy. We're here. This is great. So today, we're going to be talking about taking moonshots. Oh, yeah. We're talking about trying to get places we've never been and don't know how to get to. So we're going to use a metaphor. Because Alistair loves a good metaphor. I do love a good metaphor. I do too. So we're going to use the metaphor of launching into space. Yes. And we kind of break it down. There's a few steps and we share some of our personal journey and personal examples and where we think we are as far as taking our own moonshots. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Alistair. And good morning to you, our beautiful listener. Or hello, or you know, good evening, good afternoon, good middle of the night, whatever you're doing right now. It's far out time. (laughs) Get buckle up, (laughs) get ready. (laughs) Here we go. So, (laughs) (laughs) what's happening today? We're talking today about taking moonshots. This is actually a piece of writing I've been working on for a little while that's published on my blog at alistairplanbeck.com. We'll leave it in the show notes in case you don't know how to spell Alistair Planbeck like 99.9% of the population. Yeah, it's amazing how many people (laughs) email me when I've emailed them and my name is in... My name is Alistair Planbeck. It's it's my signature on the And it's in the signature and still (laughs) different different spellings come back. I've seen it happen recently where you sent out a a contact form to someone and they responded to you and they were like, Dear Alistair, and they wrote it with a T. And my thought on this is like... Do they think that you misspelled your name and they're doing you a favor? <laughs> What's the process here? Uh, yeah, it's a tough name. I'm sorry. Your parents picked a really hard spelling. I guess if your name is like Steve or something, <laughs> you, just, you, never, you never think that other people who have tricky names, like you're probably just not sensitive <laughs> to having your name spelled wrong because yeah. it's never been spelled wrong. Yeah, you know, so yeah. you don't think about how to spell other people's <laughs> names. You're like, oh, well, that's probably close enough. <laughs> or, 
<laughs> Sounds right. To you be know? fair, my mom still spells your name differently every text she sends me. And your it's never French, the right though, one. So I feel like, you know, she gets a... Still, still. We're she married. A, she gets a pass. Still. <laughs> we're married. All right. So we're talking about moonshots today, specifically taking moonshots. Mm-hmm. This idea actually started from, I was listening to a Tom Kenyon workshop. Tom Kenyon is this really kind of far out psychotherapist guy. He's awesome. He does a lot of sound healing. He kind of is like, I think he's probably one of the kind of originators of that area Mm. of of work, sound Mm. healing. He's incredible. The stuff he does is amazing. So great. And his talks are awesome. He's like, he's a perfect mix of extremely far out and extremely woo woo and spiritual and actually super grounded in science and rationality and research. I think in the beginning of his career, he started off as like a clinical psychologist and yeah. also like a researcher in For brain most science. most of his career. I think and he's then, pretty old now. Yeah, now he's kind of moved on to the other side of things and uh, now he's channeling spirits from from ancient Egypt and, yeah. and other things like that. He's but very, very interesting. Yeah. I recently did a workshop by him and he had this, he was talking about NASA because he's a big fan of NASA and he was talking about NASA's Apollo missions. These are the missions to the moon. Mm. Yeah, and um, he was sharing how for 99 point something percent, mo- almost the entire time NASA's spacecraft was headed to the moon, it was going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And he was talking about this process of it was constantly recalibrating, right? And each time the spacecraft computer recalibrated, it overshot in a different direction. And so for the majority of the trip to the moon, it was going the wrong way. Yet this is actually how NASA landed on the moon. Mm-hmm. And I just found this such a powerful image, yeah. a powerful way to think about any journey, right? Which is, and it resonated so much with my life, which is most of the time I overshoot and then I have to recalibrate. It's all about that recalibration. Yeah, it's that's all about the recalibration. That's the most important. If you think about meditation, <laughs> like I think a lot of us think, oh, okay, meditation, you know how to meditate when you stop thinking. Or when the mind stops being there. Or when you reach some state of feeling or some sensation in the body. I will call bullshit on that. No, it's like actually the power of meditation and what it teaches you and what it allows you to do is to recognize that you've drifted off and coming back to center. And and most of the time you come back to center and then you go the other way. Your mind takes you the other way and then it's about coming back again. It's the recognition and return where you build strength. Yes. Right. Or where you kind of build the the practice. Yes. And this similarly is how you get to the moon, apparently. Apparently. So this had me thinking and uh, I worked out a piece called Taking Moonshots in my blog and I, hi- I highlighted four stages for taking a moonshot. And the way I define taking a moonshot is trying to get somewhere you've never been before and you don't know how to get to. Mm-hmm. And when we're trying to do that in our lives, there's four stages. One, the first stage is having the audacity to look up and see the moon and say, hey, you up there, I'm coming after you. <laughs> I'm going to go there. That's a crazy thing to do. Imagine being in the 1800s and, and saying that. Like, people would have probably, like, hung you for, you know, <laughs> oh, he's possessed by the devil. He's crazy. So this is the first stage. The second stage is getting off the ground. It takes a massive amount of energy and resources mm-hmm. to get off the ground. And the question here is, where are you going to get those resources? Mm-hmm. 
The third stage is, is reaching escape velocity. So you see the rocket blasting off, right? And it's like, <laughs> and there's like, you know, fire coming down the sides and fire underneath. Yeah. And like, it's going slowly at first. And sometimes it blows up instead yes. of, yeah. So there's a lot of tension and friction in this stage. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sustained effort in a direction. Mm-hmm. And the idea with escape velocity is getting enough speed to escape the Earth's gravitational pull. Mm -hmm. And the fourth stage is the long journey, the constant recalibration once you're out in space to reach the moon, right? And in this stage, you're wrong pretty much the entire way. (laughs) You fail constantly. Yeah. It's all about failure. So we thought on this episode we would unpack each of these stages with a few examples from our lives because this this metaphor has resonated quite a bit for both of us mm-hmm. on um, on this journey we're on. Yeah. Trying to get somewhere we've never been and don't know how to get to. That's, that's pretty <laughs> close. That's what's happening right now as we speak. We're trying to do that. And I like the moon as a symbol for, for that kind of thing because the moon is always kind of, it, it's often associated with you know, a different side, right? There's the sun and the moon. So, so in some ways, in my mind, the moon can be associated with the soul, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's not, it's, it comes out in the dark. It's a little mm-hmm. bit more like soft and sensitive and, and all these things. And for me, this metaphor really resonates as far as like trying to live a life that is resonant mm-hmm. with that inner moon, that inner soul or inner light or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, that can kind of be blasted by the the strong light of the day, right? That really kind of comes out when things are still in the night and dark. All right. So that first stage, finding the audacity to look up. This, I think, is the most important stage. Yeah. Because 100%. otherwise, we're just looking down at the ground. We don't even have, like, we just... We haven't had the idea yeah. to look up, right? Yeah. And when you and I have been talking about this, I think there's two things that have really come up in this area that we both think are important. One is imagination, mm-hmm. right? Like looking up and imagining going, yeah. right? Like that's really where a lot of journeys begin. It's super powerful. It's something I encourage a lot of people to do that are on this journey is Flex that imagination muscle because mm. it is really the key that opens up so many doors. Um, it's really powerful. And you pointed out that it was also important to see others. Doing oh, yeah. It. Yeah. Every time I try to think about those those moments where I was in that stage in my life and, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's on so many different levels. But that stage that launched me in the journey that I'm on now where I ended up meeting you and now we're living in Guatemala and God knows what's going to happen in three months is it was only because I had examples of people just doing things differently. I have a, a dear, dear friend of mine whose name is Oli. And uh, I remember I was working in the kitchens and I was exhausted all the time. And my life was just bleak in so many ways. And I was really depressed and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And this guy, this college friend of mine was just, he had dropped out 
like me, but we went very different directions. He dropped out and he started just kind of like traveling. And so he was hitchhiking, going all through Europe, camping, uh, volunteering his way here and there. And he was doing that all the time. He would leave for months, like for eight months, nine months. And then he'd come back to France for the summer to earn some money. And then he'd leave again. And I always found that, re- found that really cool. And I think the biggest moment, the thing that I remember the most was he left for Africa. Again, hitchhiking, camping, all these things, volunteering. And he came back a year later and he had more money than when he left. (laughs) And that was like, because I think this entire time, my biggest line was, I don't have the money to do this. And like, it's just not possible. And so even though I kind of wanted to go on that adventure as well. And I remember just that moment where he told me he had more money than when he left. I was like, how is that possible? He didn't, he didn't work. He didn't earn money there. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I thought that was just such a pattern interrupt. It was such a paradigm shattering moment for me. Like, oh, everything I've said, there was no way I could do. I actually can do. And I think this seeing others do it or model it is very linked to imagination, right? Because yeah. what it does is it it stokes your own imagination, right? Because yes. you see what they're doing and you map it onto your life. You're like, oh, that's possible. Then this too might also yes. be possible. Or yes. something in this area. It, yes. It forces you to look up, mm-hmm. right? Like, and realize, oh, I've been looking at the ground the whole time. Yeah. And I've had that same experience as well. And one that was very um, influential in my life was I came out of college and I just needed to get a job so I could stay in San Diego. I was trying to get, I, I had a finance degree. It was 2009. Uh, this was right after the financial crash. No one was hiring anyone with a finance degree. Yeah. At least with no experience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was applying as a bank teller, getting oh, no calls back. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I actually got myself involved in a pyramid scheme for a couple of days and then I quit. <laughs> uh, it was It was really miserable. It was... That jump from like college to what's next, really tough for me. Yeah. And then I got really lucky. I found a startup who were, they're basically hiring their first employee on Craigslist. Uh Uh-huh. But the big story here is that Dan and Ian, who now run the Tropical MBA podcast, you can find them at tropicalmba.com and we will link to them in the show notes, were my mentors, also my bosses. And... They started the podcast around the same time that I joined the company. And things like over the course of years, they were living a life that I had no idea. College never told me it was possible. It was a pretty new life. What? It was College a- <laughs> didn't tell you that kind of life was possible? <laughs> Shocker. I mean, this was this was pretty cutting edge at the time. Tim Ferriss had just done it and wrote about it in his book, The 4-Hour Work Week. Mm-hmm. And they were modeling that and doing it their own way yeah and now they have a very popular podcast they you know but they were they were living in southeast asia for half the year dan was living there full time yeah ian was spending half the year there they were traveling a lot we were manufacturing in asia for a company that was located in san diego but we were a small company we were building our own websites managing the whole thing we're doing all these novel things Mm -hmm. that were just starting to starting to happen because yeah. of things like Skype mm-hmm. and uh, some of the new internet to- technologies that were coming out were making it possible. And I was watching the way they were living their lives. And this was such a gift for me because if I had gone into some corporate job, God, I would have yeah. seen 
the way everyone was living their lives there and thought that's what's possible, right? I can yeah. get the house and I can have the nice fancy car and I can have a couple kids. But like Dan and Ian were doing crazy wild shit. Yeah. And I realized, you know, over the course of a couple of years, because I was so steeped in this and I, you know, I ended up going to their conference in Bangkok and things like this. There was a big divide in my imagination, what I thought was possible with my friends mm -hmm. who were in the corporate life. And it was getting very clear that like <laughs> I I was I was I had one foot in a completely different world. Mm. And it forever changed things because I knew that world existed. I knew the moon was there. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God you you didn't get taken <laughs> as a bank teller, man. Like that would have <laughs> been such a different life. Such a different life. Okay, so one last thing I think to point about this first stage is that people are going to think you're crazy. Yes. People are going to think you're crazy. They're going to say, why would you leave the ground, this <laughs> safe, secure place, <laughs> to go to that barren moon out there that you don't even know you can get to? And you're you might nuts. die in the process. Yeah. But yeah, tough, tough question to answer. I know. Yeah, it is. It is really tough. I think the the only answer I've come up with is because now that I know I can, I can't not do it. Yeah, yeah, very human. But I think I think what we what we have to realize in this stage is that a lot of other people don't have the courage or the audacity to look up, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah, they're they're going to stay on the ground. You know. Yeah, and and it's great to be on the ground too. Like yeah. this is not a there is no moral but the moon judgment. Is calling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, yeah. yeah. No, I, and I'll say something else here, which is, but for both of us, the journey that we're on now really started with expanding our horizons and and meeting people that were doing things differently than ours and not staying in our bubble and in what was going to happen. If, you know, like I could have, for instance, I could have stayed in college and my life would be very different right now. And I think I would be not super happy about that. Yeah. But it's just expanding your horizons, meeting the right people, listening to podcasts of people. One of the most influential people on my journey have been a couple of uh, uh, people on YouTube. They're a couple that I've, I've been following for five years and they are super far out and they've inspired me so much. I'll link them in the show notes. Yeah, I think it's about, it's about surrounding ourselves with other people that are looking up at their own personal moons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, the second stage is getting off the ground. And as we said, this one is tricky. I think this one's all about this one's all about resources or being resourceful yeah. is a better way to put it. I still remember my mentor Ian early on in my career at the startup. I think I was complaining about how we couldn't do something that day. And then he just wrote in like thick Sharpie and then he highlighted it with like those those highlighters that that we all have at, at work in in and it was in caps and it's just be resourceful. And then he stuck it at like eye level on my desk. And it, it was just there for as long as I can remember. And it was one of the most powerful lessons that I got yeah. from, from Ian because that's really what you have to do. You And, and the, the thing is, getting off the ground takes a shit ton of resources. And the question is going to be the same for all of us, which is where are you going to get those resources? Yeah. The answer is going to be different for all of us. We all come from different places and we have different resources available. And we're not just talking about financial resources, or that's part of it. For me, 
my, I was able to have some success in the business and I quickly started squirreling away money as mm-hmm. much as I can. Yeah. This is actually where the early stages, I, I did a lot of things to learn how to do this. And it's kind of the early development of my mindful money program. Yes. Uh, now, uh, which is not just about saving money, but it was about learning how to be more intentional and manage my money. And you actually uh, solved the financial problem a little differently. Oh, totally. It was like, <laughs> there's a couple of things. One thing that happened that was really unexpected, and I had made my decision to take the moonshot regardless, but it was a big help, is that I received money uh, sort of like early inheritance from my dad. It wasn't like a ton, but it was enough to get me started and to have me figure it out on, on my way, which is great because by the time that that money sort of ran out, I was so much on my way already that there was no coming back anyways, you know, so I was going to figure out a different way. But um, yeah. And then the second piece was that I quit my job and I made a deal with my boss to uh, get unemployment, which was extremely important and helpful for the first two years of my journey. And I remember we were living in India and you were getting you you were getting paid more money by France <laughs> than you were spending I in know. a month. You were was, making money I while living sa- in India. Yeah, I was saving money by living in India. Yeah. I think the key word in what you said is enough. Yeah. Right. Because this isn't going to like the and and I struggled with this early on is like wanting enough money that like I was going to be secure and there were going to be no further questions. Yes. But that's not how this works. It's going to be more especially on the financials. Like what is enough for you? And that can be almost nothing. Mm-hmm. I know people who've walked out their front door with no money and a guitar. Yeah. And they've they've made it, yeah. you know, or they're still on the journey. And your example with your friend Ollie is yeah. a good example of that. You could also go out and volunteer and 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 you could do it that way. And this leads to the other part of this, which isn't so much financial. The financial, like, there is an aspect of that we have to answer, but and and we have to find out what is enough and mm-hmm. how do we how do we fi- figure that out. And one clue is enough is a lot less than you think. Yes. But <laughs> the more important side and the more challenging side is the inner resources you need to get off the ground. Mm. And that that can be. Tricky. I, I, when we look at both our lives, and for example, when I was preparing at this time, I didn't know I was preparing for a moonshot. I, I kind of did. I instinctually did, but I didn't know what it was, yeah. right? I didn't know what the moonshot was. It was just like there was a sense in me like, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to prepare and hopefully something will change or something will come. Yeah. Um, part of that preparation was finding the inner resources, particularly for me, that was around health, getting my health in order at some point and starting to really recover my energy and kind of my peace of mind and, and all this. That was a big part of gathering my inner resources. And the other part was spiritual. Mm-hmm. I started, and I think for me, and this was true for you too, you know, maybe it doesn't fall under the umbrella of spirituality for everyone, but you do kind of have to find out or like find a way to deal with all the uncertainty and the challenge, right? You have to find faith or you have to find something like that to navigate this. Because I I tend to think of spirituality as as navigating the unknown, right? Mm. Like that's kind of where, what it's geared to. Totally. That's that's actually a really good description of spirituality in my book. Yeah. So, so we have to find some tools for that, some ways to think about it that are going to serve us. And for me, 
that I, I joined a, a Zen community at that time. Mm-hmm. So I really started practicing meditation and that was huge for me. And uh, ayahuasca actually kind of was another way where I got some of the spiritual resources yeah. as well. And there were many other things as well. Yeah. And for me, I think it was like, I also joined, I, I learned Zen meditation, uh, not as in depth as you, but I, I did too. And, and then I took a hypnotherapy training for four weeks, which pretty much changed everything. Like the training was four weeks and it was, it was separated like two weeks and then two weeks. And, and there was a few months in between those two sections of the training. In in those few months in between, my life completely changed. I started the training. I was, I had an apartment in Paris with a partner that I'd been with, with for four years and I had two cats and everything was okay. Or well, it wasn't okay, but everything was, you know, happening like that. And then by the time I started the second half of the training, I was living on the road with a backpack and I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and like that really taught me, I think, an inner resourcefulness and the beginning of something that I'm like continuing to tap into, which is like a trust and an inner knowing that I will figure anything that comes. I will figure it out. I'll figure it out. There is living with the uncertainty of how that's going to unfold is a lot less painful than living on the ground. And so there's just, for me, there was no, there's no question that it's just going to, I'm going to keep that trajectory. Mm. God knows where my moon is. I don't even know how far it is and I'm not sure what it looks like, but. I think part of um, this process is there's usually some test launches, right? Mm. Like some mini launches, maybe like figuring out if the booster rockets work or, you know, so, so we get some faith in in the the spacecraft we're True. building or whatever mm-hmm. um so sometimes there there's tests along the way that give us a little bit more confidence that this might actually work i think yeah that's a good point that's a really good point and it can be small i mean for my friend ollie i like i loved his example because it was so textbook but he knew he wanted to go travel and he wasn't like he didn't want to completely make that big leap and all those all the way like go to africa the first try so he just spent the summer camping and hitchhiking in Sweden. That was his first step. And most recently, he went from Paris to India hitchhiking. That's how far he's gone. So it's like, you have to take those many steps in the beginning. That makes me think also of when I started traveling solo. And uh, my first expedition was to grandma's house, which was in England. Yes. And I stayed there for like five or six weeks. And then I started, like, then I went up to Scotland. And then I started going more east. And eventually I ended up in crazy places in, in like, you know, India, Nepal. You picked up a French woman <laughs> in India. How? But it started with, like, more familiar stages, yeah. right? And then you kind of build your confidence. And then you can go for the, the, the bigger moon shots. Yeah. I think something I really like thinking about in this stage particularly is... It's. I heard someone say this once. It's not a matter of money. It's a matter of resources. I think this is so key to understand that, as you said, yes, money's involved, but it's not just that. Like resourcefulness will be a lot more valuable than than like money on this journey. So that's kind of one of the things. And then also, I was reflecting on my own, like how it happened, getting off the ground and. 
it, it wasn't the plan. Like I wasn't planning to, like, I didn't say, okay, I'm going to get off the ground there and, and I'm going to launch. And, uh, you know, it's like my plan didn't involve taking a moonshot in the beginning, you know, and it's like, it's almost something that happened to me. And I think for you, sim similarly, like that wasn't your original plan. You had a bunch of other plans and they kind of just failed. And all of a sudden you were left with, all right, well, I guess I'm taking the moonshot. I think at some point we are, when we're taking a moonshot, it's like we're shooting at something, but we don't exactly know what it is, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes maybe it's not as clear as the moon out there, but yeah. like there's, there's, there's this pale image inside of us of like, in some way, a better life, yeah. right? In some way, we're trying to make some sort of change. Yeah, That's kind of what it is. It's not always a very, like, rational or obvious, like, that's what I'm trying to get, or I'm trying to make a million dollars or whatever like yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just this sense inside, this kind of kind of in, internal pull or yeah. whatever that there's a better way out there, and I need, and I'm sh I'm shooting for that. That's, yeah. that's kind of what I mean by moonshot. It's like, there's a better life out there somehow, and yeah. I, I need to go find it. This yeah. isn't working. Yeah, so it's more of an internal sense. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I knew I was taking a moonshot as soon as, as, soon as I left, yes. you know. Yes. Um, but, of course, I didn't know exactly what I was aiming at, and this is the constant recalibrating yeah. that, that we were talking about. And like you said, resourcefulness. We're all going to be resourceful in different ways. We're going to find different ways to it. Everyone I talk to that does something like this that is living mm -hmm, like kind of mm -hmm. outside out of orbit right got there in a different way totally and they used what was available to them so yeah. this is like this is a do-it-yourself kind of yeah. project here <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah it is it totally is and and faith is a big part of it right yeah and it's what it's what you were saying like you have to test the the rocket you have to make sure everything works and you have to take small steps like a big part of this journey is building faith. And you have to develop your relationship to the unknown because you are aiming for the unknown. Yeah. That's where you're trying to go, mm -hmm. right? And this gets us into the third stage, which is escape velocity. This is when we have enough speed and momentum uh, to escape Earth's pull. Mm -hmm. Or you can think about it as the, the pull of the world we know. Yeah. And then get launched into space, into the unknown, into the uncharted. Mm -hmm. And man, faith is a big part of that because that, that takes a lot of bravery. Yeah. I mean, as you said, like picture that image of the rocket, just like trembling and, and like shooting and the flames are licking the side of it. And, and it's like to, to reach that speed, there's so much friction and everything is trembling as I kind of think of, about if I'm an astronaut in that thing, like half the time they pass out like that, that time, that moment you can do as much training as you want. It's still really intense. And you have to just trust that there's a moment where you're going to be into space and it's going to be a lot quieter. But that first pull is really intense. Also, it's not guaranteed, right? Like, there's a history of sometimes it blowing up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's risk involved. Yeah. There's friction and there's risk. This is It's it's a trying time yes. a lot of times. I, I think I, I love to think about risk because it's like it's almost inherent. It's, it's not almost. It's inherent to, to life. And in the context of shooting for the unknown, 
there's always going to be risk. Like you can't do this risk free. That this does this, this is not possible. But in kind of in the same way, like if you imagine really NASA shooting a rocket off, though, it's very visible. It's very publicly visible, right? Yes. Like yes. if they fuck up, <laughs> everyone's going to know that yeah. they fucked up. And I, I, I think you can't really avoid that either. Yeah. It's going to be a public display in some in some level. Yeah. You have to be willing to go for it, and and it's also. Worth noting that the resistance, mm. and I'm talking about resistance with a capital R, Stephen Pressfield's type of resistance. Mm-hmm. He's got a great book called The War of Art. And uh, if you want to learn more about that concept of resistance that shows up in any creative endeavor, is part of the creative endeavor, uh, that's a great, really, really great kind of key book mm-hmm. to read about okay. the creative artist's journey. And he talks about the resistance. And the resistance is always there, and it's something we have to kind of battle anew, right? It's, it's, it's part of the journey. And this is probably the stage where the resistance, I mean, you were trying to go through the atmosphere, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you were, <laughs> there's a pull of gravity yeah. it's at its strongest right now, and it's trying to pull you back. And you're battling inertia. That's mm-hmm. the thing you're battling here the most. It's like inertia. Yeah. That that is tough to beat, right? Yeah. Like so you have massive resistance, massive resistance. And if you don't know that you're gonna encounter it, you can get crushed by it within seconds. Yeah. Like you have to plan for that. This is also why you need the resources and you need to plan for the getting off the ground. You 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 need to know what's gonna happen. And resistance is one of the biggest things that you're you're gonna encounter. And sometimes you might need a few booster rockets yeah. and, you know, some extra boosts. And yeah. we might not know where those are going to come from. And I think it's also important to recognize when a booster rocket is spent and you need to let it go and fall back to Earth because you're headed for space. Yeah. Right. Because then it becomes dead weight. And so, for example, uh, to give you examples, like I remember when I was kind of in between, I, I, I had kind of left my jobs and I moved back in with my parents for a little while and I was preparing to leave and I got a job Ubering for a little mm. while. That was a bit of a booster rocket. It gave me a little bit of cash. But it, I, if I were to hold on to that job, right, like yeah. it was going to take me down. It's going to take me back down to earth. Yeah, That was not the way. I needed to know when I, ha- I could let it go. And there's a lot of examples right there. It could be financial, but it could also be people. Yeah, I think for me, as I was reflecting on this, like most of the booster rockets I can think about in my own journey have been people who I've encountered and we shared either love or friendship or uh, a moment where what they said or what they did or what we did together really like helped me propel me further. That's been something I've had to continue to contend with, which is they were kind of my booster rockets. And and there is a moment where you have to recognize if it's not serving or if it's not helping anymore. And and it's it's difficult when it's people. <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> to recognize like, okay, this relationship actually is kind of pulling me back down at this point. If I Keep holding on to it. Or this relationship's ran its course. Yes. And that's, I I tend, when I look back, I recognize that when it was the time for me to leave the relationship, it was also for the other person, their time to leave the relationship. It was often, it matched. It just, it was hard because you you don't want to do that. You Mm -hmm. know, you don't want to leave the comfort of something you know. (laughs)
So the fourth stage in this journey is the long trip to the moon, right? We've now gotten out of orbit, out of the atmosphere. The Earth's pull is no longer stronger than our own push. Yeah. We have launched ourselves into the unknown, the space. And this last stage is the long journey to the moon because it's still a long way away. <laughs> and you've we- just made the very first, <laughs> the very first part. Like in terms of time, usually that that is the longest part. Yeah, and you have a lot of momentum now that can kind of push you in the right direction. And so this stage is like really. There's a a sense of focus, like mm-hmm. you have to stay focused, and there's a sense of stamina, like you're in it for the long run, and and there's this like godlike willingness to continue to recalibrate your direction over mm-hmm. and over, and like catch okay mistake, let's recalibrate, yeah. right? Going back to that idea of like na- uh, the Apollo missions, like onboard spacecraft computers, yeah, constantly recalibrating, right? Because going to the moon, you're going to shoot one direction and sooner or later you're going to realize okay that's that's a bit off if you were to stick with that direction you'd miss the moon by a long shot yeah by thousands and thousands of miles right so you have it's constantly figuring out okay where did i overshoot all right let's let's put it back in the other direction where did i overshoot and i think this is just such a good metaphor to me for what it feels like to follow that internal image Mm -hmm. of a different life right it's like if i look at everything we've done like living in a caravan right or or volunteering in Portugal, or moving to Guatemala, or some of the work we've done and some of the projects we've done, they're all like recalibrations. It's like, okay, we need to go a little bit more in that direction. We we feel like that's where the moon is a little bit. And then we realize, okay, well, we went too far. Now we're like on our way to Jupiter. So like now we need to move back this way. And that is tough because, you know, for example, if you were NASA, and you were looking at all those recalibrations and that 99 point something percent of the time you're going the wrong way, it'd be really easy to use that as proof you never should have tried, Mm. right? That like, that that these constant failures are just proof that this was a bad idea. Yeah. It takes a lot more courage to see that that's actually the way to get there. Yes. That's actually a sign that we're on our way. If there's constant, like this idea of failing constantly, it's almost like I want to use this as an advice for myself. Just like fail constantly, consistently, consistently fail. Just continue to fail and continue to recalibrate because this is how you get to the place. There is no, like, you have to, as you said, like you have to constantly recalibrate. There is no just one line that you can just tie yourself to and then it's a straight line to the moon and you don't have to think about it. That yeah, you're not ju- you don't just get off, like you don't just shoot out of Earth and then you just float to the moon and yeah, you can yeah. just like take a nap on the yeah, way, you know, yeah. <laughs> or go in the cryo there is, there is a There is a tendency to want to do that. It's like, man, that first part was hard. You know, I passed down the cockpit. It's, whew, it took a lot of money and resources and bravery and it's like, is now the time I get to relax? It's like, well, not really. <laughs> I mean, you've done something big at that point. Yeah. But but now it's it's the real work begins. You yeah. now you have the opportunity yeah. to, to go to your moon. Yeah. And so what, what do you think? Do you have anything for for this this do you have an example for this particular stage? Well, I think it's kind of yeah, I guess for me, this isn't a bigger sense of my life mm-hmm. is that I feel like for the last five years or so, 
I've really been working hard to reach escape velocity mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, right? Like there was, it's, it's hard to explain, but like meeting you was part of meeting us finding escape velocity, right? Like I I needed to have a a bigger vision or someone to share this life with or some meaning, right? So that was definitely a part of the fuel I needed as well. And and so finding you was a part of it, kind of finding another vision, right? Kind of really seeing the moon. And But there was another aspect of it which has been financial or work-related, which is trying to... I think I've been working with this fear for the last five years that I was trying to launch off the Earth and sooner or later it's going to run out of gas and the Earth's gravity was just going to pull me right back down, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't going to make it. Yeah. And so I've been focusing on on reaching escape velocity. And a lot of that has also come in work. is like finding work that sustains this journey, right? Mm-hmm. Finding ways to live that sustains this journey and basically getting to a place where it's sustainable, yeah. right? where we're not just burning through resources that we've kind of saved and cashed, but we're, we're also, we, we have some sort of renewable resources that are, that can get us through that long journey part. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm kind of just now in between that third phase of escaping the the earth's pull and, and really settling in for the long journey of recalibration. Like I, I, I'm feeling that the pull downward is less. Yeah. And that I have found some things that, that can really push power me onward mm. and that it's going to be a long journey and there's going to be a lot of recalibrations. But I think we've, I think, I think I've exited the atmosphere to some degree. That's yeah. how it feels. And I think I have the resources to get there. Um, so that's been a really, it's still a shift in process, mm-hmm. but it's been kind of a powerful realization to be like, hey, I might be in a different stage here. And I think it's useful, you know, as as an experiment to explore what stage am I in? Because that can tell yeah. you a lot about what your job is right now, yeah. right? If you're, if you're in stage one, you need to get around some people looking at the moon. Yeah. Or you need to start imagining where the moon is for yourself, right? That's... Start doing that. Yeah. That's the most important part because you need that kind of inspiration. You need to see it for yourself. If you're in stage two. Gather resources. Yeah. Start hoarding those resources, you know, start building a rocket. Yeah. Uh, that's what you need to do. Yeah. If you're in stage three, buckle the fuck up. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's going to be a bumpy one, but you're going to make it. You, or, just shoot straight yeah. and true and start going, you know, yeah. and have the faith to continue when yeah. you hit that resistance, the atmosphere and the gravity, right? You're going against inertia. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's what keeps everyone where they're at. Your brain might explode. <laughs> you know? That'd be a good thing. <laughs> So and then, and then so I think and when you're in stage four, it's like okay, look, you don't need to worry so much about falling back down to the ground. Don't mm. look behind you. You need to be looking forward at where the moon is. You need to be constantly kind of calculating your direction and making sure you're still on course because it turns out like space is huge and it doesn't really give a shit about your mission. You know, it's a, it's hostile. It's this is uncharted territory. We don't know what's out here, and so we really got to have our wits about us. I mean, if we're gonna hit that really small target out there. We really got to dial in. So I think they all kind of suggest different different actions. So yeah, what stage are you in? Mm. As always, thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you very much. This is a really, this is a really cool metaphor. We actually ended up like talking more about it, and it's endless, and you can kind of play with it. Yeah. Just have fun with this metaphor. It's a gift. <laughs> Talisters gifts to you. The great thing about metaphors like this is you get to interpret them.、Mm. You get to map your experience onto it.、Mm. You get to find meaning in them. That's why they're so dynamic. That's、yeah. why they're so powerful. And if you want to get a, a more experiential feel of this metaphor, highly recommend that you listen to Space Oddity by David Bowie right now, <laughs> right after this episode. Just don't wait. Just do it. You'll you'll enjoy it.、Yeah. Just lie down and let yourself be、uh, metaphored. Launch into space. <laughs> <laughs> So there are three ways you can support this podcast, as you know. The first one is financially, and that is at Patreon.com/slash/TheFarOutCouple. Yes, if you appreciate the work we put out, if you appreciate this podcast, if you'd like to support us, and if you feel called to do so, we would love that. And as a Uh, thank you from us. When you support us, you have access to a backlog of awesome, exclusive content that we do for our friends over on Patreon. That's right. There's two other ways you can support us as well.、Mm-hmm. The first one is you can share this episode with a friend. That is such an easy way, but it's it's grassroots building, baby.、And、it's win 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 for everybody. Everyone loves it. Yeah. <laughs> And the second way you can support this podcast is to leave a review on iTunes, Apple iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling themselves these days. <laughs> I think we're at thirty-one right now,、yeah. and I would love to get to fifty. Help、uh, us get to fifty. Yeah, and like I'll say here, we love it when you leave a review and you write it out. But if you don't have time for this, you can just give us a rating and just put the stars thing. If you <laughs> don't want to, if you don't want to go, I know a lot of you are like, oh, I've been wanting to do that for a while, but I don't want to. I don't know what I'm gonna write. You know, like just go, click on the stars and don't worry about writing. We、yeah. just let's get us to 50 ratings, people. Let's do it. We trust you. Help us feed the beast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Toodles. Toodles.